This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Boom, boom, boom. In the summertime. Oh, good. She went with the updated song. Da, 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 whatever. Okay, what welcome up? to Scissors and Scrubs. World renowned. Infamous. Ever famous. Mm-hmm. Summer series. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get in our RVs. Bum, 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 bum. Going we're right going to put our country. seat trays upright, our seats upright. We're going to get our bark bags ready. Yes. And we're going to get on that train. Mm-hmm. All aboard. Whoop, whoop. Oh, boy. And off we go to the summer series. Season three. Here at Scissors and Scrubs. Season three. What to do? I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And we are kicking it off. <laughs> oh, That's all I gotta say about that. It's a 90 degree night. It's a 90 degree night. We've had a couple of lime maritas. Mm-hmm. Um, husbands are in the house. Mm-hmm. My husband's um, not usually here when I record, but he's smack dab next to me. <laughs> and we've had a little glitch tonight because um, the notebook that I write all my notes in mm-hmm. is MIA. Mm-hmm. And my two boys at home mm-hmm. who couldn't find these sneakers if they were on their feet no. are looking for it. So you know what? Well, My information is going to be a little sketchy because it's literally sheets and sheets of paper all over the floor now that we printed last minute mm-hmm. because I can't find my goddamn notebook. Mm-hmm. And we need to record tonight because there's no other night to record. We're not doing it. So, Laura's going to kick it off so I can get my shit together. Oh, good. And <laughs> figure out what the hell I'm doing. All right. So, we're getting in that big fucking 1984 RV. Nice. Bunk beds in the back. Oh, yeah table that becomes a bed that becomes chairs yeah, and you get the bed on top of the driver yeah yeah oh that's the best mm-hmm. fucking bed mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. one on top of the driver mm-hmm. and we're gonna pull into fort wilderness at disney oh we're going on the road to the sun and glacier yeah we're at grand canyon oh the grand canyon mm-hmm. yeah we're in the tetons mm-hmm. we are hitting it we're going laura take it away okay so i'm gonna talk about avies if you didn't get that avies um so i got this information from I'm not really sure how they say this website. I'm going to go with fifthwheelstreet.com, <laughs> quickrvinsurancequotes.com, and godownsize.com. I got to say the quickrvinsurancequotes.com is a little sketchy. I got a lot of information from them. They're a little sketchy. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, because they're looking for you to sue their ass. No, it's to rent an RV to tell you which one's the safest. All right, I'll get there. Um, so a report released in 2003 by the Federal Motor Carrier Safety whatever something mm-hmm. said that more than 70,000 people were involved in RV accidents in 2003 70,000 70,000 70,000 that's a lot that's a lot of yep. people mm-hmm. in 2012 Jesus. they reported 75,000 injuries due to RV accidents they're well, very that's everybody dangerous. driving an RV is 112 years old exactly can't walk exactly. and the RV is the size of a goddamn bus. or they drive like mike Either oh way. my god um, a fatality analysis reporting system analysis done between 2000 and 2007 found that 212 people died in RV accidents, which is about 26 deaths per year in due RV. to RV accidents. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. So common causes of RV accidents, you already kind of went Tipping over that. Over. There's no special training required. No. You can we be went, a thousand years we old. rented it, picked it up. Mike got in the driver's seat and away we went. No instructions, nothing. Like, literally, go ahead, good luck, go cross country. And they're uh, huge. These are these are huge. Huge. Luck, I mean, Mike has a CDL, but like if I were to drive, I did drive it for a little bit. I have no, I don't know. I drive it in half of them, a tow in a car behind yeah. it. So, great. No training to drive an RV. That's not good. 
Um, 10% of RV drivers are senior citizens. Yep. I'd say it's like 80%. I would say it was a little more than that. I'm a little surprised by the number. Um, shit. Common cause, another common cause is speeding. Um, how fast can those things possibly go? They can move. We moved. We moved quickly. (laughs) We did a streamlined Mm -hmm. 55. Um, high winds. Yes. Um, so we're driving. So we took a RV cross country. Um, 10 years ago ago? a while ago the kids were little and my mother came with us and we're in nevada and we're growing when by the hoover dam and we're crossing over into i don't know what or is it nevada to arizona whatever whatever it is wicked fucking high bridge nevada to new mexico something there is a bridge that you have to cross it's the only way across it's i don't know eight thousand feet high it's on the top of no 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 it's above the hoover dam and the Hoover Dam's pretty fucking Between high. two rocks. Like, you're literally, we were like, we saw it at the Hoover Dam. We were like, oh my God, imagine crossing that. And then we're driving. He's like, yeah, we're going to cross that bridge. We're like, what? I would have been plastered to the floor of the oh RV. Oh my God. Like, this the windows going towards it. High winds. Yeah, if you have a tall vehicle, get in the middle lane because you could go over the edge. Like, frightening. Could you imagine driving? Think no. of an RV over the edge. Crashing into the no, I was petrified. Like, just floor it. Just floor yeah, no, it. I'm good. Um, anyway, so high winds can cause accidents. Yeah. Um, overtired drivers. So, well, I mean, yes. you're going cross country. Or wherever you're going. And if you're 100 years old, you nap 80 times a day. Exactly. Even if you're young, though, you're like, okay, we're going to, we're trying to get from Ohio to wherever the hell today. We're trying to cross two states to get to this RV park. You're like going longer than you should be. Um, overloading weight capacity of the RV. Runaway trailers when you're towing things. Um, roll- runaway, runaway. <laughs> Rollovers caused by inexperienced the, um, high gravity. Yeah, because it's top heavy. Yeah. Um, poorly navigated churns because again it's top heavy. They don't maneuver around a corner well. Miscalculated stopping distances because you get all that weight coming from the yes. back, so you got to stop yep. way before. Yep, yep. You wouldn't a car. Um, poorly balanced loads. So you get a lot of heavy stuff in the back. It pushes you forward, whatever. And the blind spots are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. In an RV, you can't see anything behind you. I'm telling you, we went out to Glacier. And Glacier has this road to the sun. Mm. It's like the stay away to heaven, this road. It goes up 450 miles into the sky, maybe. <laughs> and these are, and it's like two feet wide. Oh, no. It's a little tiny road that goes right along the cliffs. We, we were in... Where did we go to? The Arches. 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 National Park out wherever. Oh, I loved Arches. Arizona, yeah. Nevada, somewhere in the desert. Moab. Utah. You have to go up a very steep, very small hill. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't look. I can't look. I have to stay on this side of the Abbey. I These can't look. We're like hanging over on the side of the Abbey. sheer cliffs that go down like a mile. Mm-hmm. And they're in these fucking massive mm-hmm. RVs towing mm-hmm. two other RVs mm-hmm. behind. And I was, I couldn't even sit in the passenger side and look out. No. Let alone be in one of these obbies. Yes. I swear to God we were hanging over. I, I don't swear. know how these people did it. No. I don't. I was like, I can't look. And we were in like a, a suburban I thought was too big for the road. I can't imagine these massive mm-hmm. obbies with mm-hmm. nine-year-olds driving them. Yeah. It's, nope. It wasn't an enjoyable time. Petrifying. Nope. Um, all right. So you're going to go rent your RV this summer. You're going. It's COVID. You're staying together. You're not getting on a plane. Right. Whatever. And you're doing the RV because you know it's open. Yeah. So which RVs are the safest? I don't know. Tell me a lot. I'd all like right. to know. Um. Driving your car and towing a camper is the safest. 
Yes. Because. Because the camper can take a hit. Well, your car will have proper safety belts. True. And it has been crash tested. RV's not crash tested? Oh, just you wait. Um, <laughs> they don't put the dummies in those? Mm-mm. Class A um, RVs. They're the largest ones. They're like those big, huge Buses. luxury ones you drive by on the mm-hmm. highway that you're like, well, that would be nice. <laughs> they get um, a little windsock when they pull up. Yeah. Comes out. yeah. Um, although the owners feel they are really safe from accidents because they sit so goddamn high up. Um, they're the least safe. I believe it. 120%, I believe that. They are not designed to withstand significant impact from the front, rear, or side. Um, it is not uncommon for Class A motorhomes to be totaled during a serious accident. So that whole big, huge thing. Oh, it would just crumple. It would mm-hmm. crumple like an accordion. They are not crash-tested. No, I believe At it. all. Um, but newer ones do include over-the-shoulder safety belts in the driver and passenger over the seat. So you get two safety belts in these big... Class A yeah, because everybody else was roaming around partying in the yes, back. Um, class C is unlikely to be cla- crash tested by manufacturers. They are built on van chassis, though, so they are subject to the crash tests um, by the NHTSA mm-hmm. for the chassis itself. Um, so you do get like a little, a little more safety, little safety info from the big huge bus. Yep, the crash tests only apply to the driver and co-pilot, not the living quarters. So if they say, "Oh, this is a forced," Four star whatever crash test. It's literally only for the two people in the front. Oh, that's not good. Um, the living quarters of the class C are not built to absorb shock at all. So if you get you're hit from the back, off. you're done. Yep. Um, overhead bed cabins are a specific weak spot, so never drive with somebody in so the, the overhead little bed. Little bed over the over the driver. Mm. Do not sit there if you're it's driving. A favorite spot. Class B safest RV. So if you're gonna rent an RV this summer, class, class B. B it is. They provide the most protection with safety belts and airbags and do not have as many weak spots as Class A and C. What does a Class B look like? Is it a silver bullet? Mm, no, because I think you trail those, don't you? Yeah. These ones you drive. This is one you drive. All right. Okay. It's just in between it. It's the in-between size. Um, projectiles from living quarters are still a serious threat mm-hmm. in any of these. Dishes are going to go flying. Yeah. The pots TV, the yeah. whatever is going to go all up. Your luggage, everything. Um, the kids. The Class B is built on a van chassis as well, so it's a little safer. And they are crash tested by the NHTSA. Um, so I have some crashes, specific crashes that happened in RVs. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find any really good gory ones, though. Oh, well, that's not good for mm. the summer series. I know. So in Florida, obviously, there was a bad crash between an RV and a Jeep that caused the South Florida roadway to be completely shut down on this day. Um, so, um, the RV was heading like eastbound on the street and the Jeep was traveling westbound. The Jeep bared into the path of the RV. Oh, never good. They both swerve. Um, they collide and because of the top heaviness, the RV overturns. Um, it came to rest on its side. It blocks all the lanes on the whole highway. it's gigantic. Yeah. The two people in the RV... Were um, taken by the hospital by air rescue. Um, the people in the Jeep were taken to the nearby hospital. Um, no one died. Well, that's... But they flip. That's what happens. They yeah. fall I'm telling you, my brother side. used to drive those big tour buses. Oh, yeah. And he was going to take us for a ride on one. And it was like when I was on the mouse at 
um, Hershey Park where I was terrified every time we I'm like we're gonna go over that time we're going over I get to those, I'm like sitting I'm on the floor of the fucking bus I'm like this isn't fun I would never go anywhere on this bus this isn't fun and Cameron thought it was the best thing he'd ever seen I'm like I hate that I'm like this thing's gonna tip and he's you're riding 35 feet off the road it's ridiculous that's those class A ones not enjoying not it good. not enjoying it um in 2012, Tim and Teresa, oh Tim and Teresa, were innocent victims in a strange RV accident involving a police chase. <laughs> you sound like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, so they're driving their motorhome. They are T-boned by a police cruiser. What? Yeah. How did he not see them? A California Highway Patrolman is chasing Ooh. a suspect. Right the suspect the RV. swerves around the RV. The police he goes right can't goes right like almost like under like his whole front of the car is under the RV. Um, oh my god! I can show you pictures. Um, the suspect's completely fine, completely clears the whole thing. Police officer hits; they're all okay. All right, but he went like the whole front of his car is under the like RV. a Smokey and the Bandit episode. Yeah. Um, in Forest Grove, Oregon. Um. <laughs> oh, Forest Grove. Yeah. There's a Jeep Cherokee. It's always these Jeeps. Yeah, the Jeeps, Jeeps suck. Um, he's driving fast. Hadn't left enough room between his vehicle and the vehicle in front of him. He stops, can't slow down, swerves into the other lane, directly into a motorhome. Um, he it ended up, the impact was so bad, the RV was on top of the SUV. Like, he flipped the RV oh on top God. of the SUV. SUV. Um, the Cherokee driver was thrown to the hospital, passenger of the RV, were pretty much fine. fine. They just kind of chilled out in the bunk beds, they were good. Yeah. Thermopop, pops, Wyoming, Thermopolis, is that, is that in Wyoming. Sounds like it's I, it sounds like it, but it's in Wyoming. Acropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, an SUV swerved into oncoming cra- traffic. 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 <laughs> crashes into an RV. Um, the the smaller the smaller vehicles gonna lose. Yeah, I mean these RVs are massive. Yeah. Um, like neither of the drivers could apply the brakes. It happened so fast. So yeah. he swerved quickly into the other lane. RV Done. hit him. Done, kid. Four people in the SUV died. <gasps> um, oh, well, and a three-year-old passenger in the RV. Oh. Um, it's because he was running around playing friggin' dolls or something. Well, because they're not... They're yeah, not I'll get into in. that. So, and then in Otter Rock, Oregon, strangest RV accident. <laughs> um, a 70, 79-year-old came man down and took him away. driving his motorhome. How old? 75? 79. Yeah. 70. 70. Yeah. Nine. He's driving along the coast. Mm-hmm. He's got his dog with him. He has to go to the bathroom. Takes the dog out to go for the walk. Didn't put the e-brake on <gasps> in the RV. The RV slides down a 100-foot cliff over the Pacific Ocean. But it teeters on top of rocks. Never crashes into the ocean. And they have to, like, they rescue it out of this huge 100-foot drop. he probably drop. got back in it and drove it probably off. Probably took it right off. But it went... seventy. Nine. Yeah. Seven. That's who's driving this. I know. Because I see them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like all the gory stuff I could find for RVs. But you shouldn't, when they said like, when you have your kids in an RV with you, which we had our children in an RV, we did not bring car seats because there's no seats, right? They're right. like sitting in the back and on like couches. They're like a kitchen table. Kids are very susceptible to injuries because they are not Buckle buckled. Hood. You can get RVs that do have seatbelts for their car seats in the back. But they're not going to sit in a car seat for 12 hours. No, not that long. They actually say, although you should not put a car seat in the front seat, 
sometimes the safest place for the car seat in an RV is, the is in the seat. front passenger seat Still because the they actually have a safety tested. belt. Yeah, it's crash tested. You have to watch the anything can fly and hit them in the head. Like it's it's really not. I was nervous the whole time we were driving. We blew tires in Mississippi. Mississippi backwoods. We had been in the desert. So it was really, really hot in July. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they melted a little bit. Then they were driving on the roads in Mississippi and Which was blew out the tire. Yeah. Am I, is, it sad, is it sad to be here? Mm-hmm. And we had to sit on a grassy knoll. Oh, in Mississippi? Mm-hmm. It's too close. Then a state trooper came by and he picked up me, my mother, and the kids and left Mike there to wait for the RV guy to come and fix it in the backwoods of Mississippi in the pitch black. I could hear the Dean banjos. Was it like Barney Fife? I got my bullet, Andy. I got it my was, bullet. So we get in the car and he's like, oh, wait a minute. He gets like the shotgun out of the back, his thing out of the back, puts it in the truck. I'm like, please don't put those near the children. <laughs> so then we're driving to the, he's like, I'm going to bring you to the police station. I'm like, okay. And we're driving and my mother's like, oh, it's really dark here. You know, because it's literally backwards, Mississippi. He's like, yeah, you should have seen it during the, um, whatever hurricane had just happened. He's like, it was there was no lights. And we're like, well, there's no lights now. And he's like, no, no. So there like, was no lights. And we're like, oh my God. Okay, so what am I, what am I not seeing? Right. What am I missing here? He was like, no, it was pitch black. You've never seen pitch black like that. We're like, okay. He brings us to the um, police station, brings us in. He's like, this is like the waiting room. This is like um, where the water is and whatever. He's like, okay, so I'm going to go back and check on your husband. That was like 20 minutes from where Mike was. So I'm going to go back and check on your husband. Um, Make sure he's all right. Like, no one's bothering him. I'm like, yeah, okay, because he's on the side of a highway. By himself. By himself. In Mississippi it, yeah. with no lights. No. Sometimes. He's like, oh, yeah, um, but if he gets back here before I get back here, just go ahead and lock up after you. And we're like, what? And he's like, well, I'm the only cop on, policeman on. So, you know, just if you leave before I leave, just make sure you lock the door behind you. We're like, you're leave. I'm sorry, you're just leaving us? He's like, I want to lock you in. And we're like, okay, great. We're in the police station. In Mississippi. By ourselves. And back was Mississippi, no light. Like it was. You had one bullet in the front. Yeah. <laughs> Barney, I got my bullet, my bullet, Barney. We were like, what the hell? The kids thought it was great. Oh, yeah, they're, playing, what? they're like Shitting the Brady Bunch this? episode. They're playing in the jail, yeah. like in boots like, and throwing out the. What if someone comes to the door with an emergency? Like this literally. What if the criminal comes nobody... in and wants to shoot up the place. Well, no, we were locked in, don't worry. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. He did come. I think he came back before you came back and he told us to go park in this gas station. He would make rounds all night to make sure no one was bothering us. We had nothing else to do over there. Gas station. We were like, Mississippi. Oh. oh my God. But we had a lot of fun in that RV. We took an RV trip when I was three. It was, um, I have these beautiful quilted 70s pants on. Oh, they corduroy. Quilt pants. We went to Florida and I think there's 800 people in this. So I think I might have been sleeping on the floor because, mm-hmm. you know, it was cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have fond memories of that trip. No, I don't. We had okay. a good time. That was a little scary. Yeah. The guy in Mississippi made fun of my accent. Well, he was yeah. dealing with Mike in the garage when he was fixing the car, and then we were inside the Laura, gas my station. My kids make fun of your accent. I know. We were in front. We we're in the gas station. They had the best breakfast. Like, oh, I bet everybody they did. from town came for breakfast at the gas station. So we're sitting <laughs> going the gas down to Al's eating breakfast. And I don't know, I went to check on him or something, and the guy was talking to him, and I was like, oh, thank you. Literally, I, I'm pretty sure that's all I said was, oh, thank you. And I left, and he, Mike comes in later, he's laughing. I'm like, what? He's like, the guy's like, how come your wife's accent is so much worse than yours? <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, she's, her accent's so much worse than yours. He's like, oh, yeah, she's got a stronger accent. But I'm like, are you, 
I literally said, thank you. How is that a Boston <laughs> accent? Well, I think it was like, hey, kid, thank yeah. you. It was a wicked good breakfast. Yeah. I think it's wicked good. Wicked, wicked good, good kid. Thanks for the breakfast. With dunks. With dunks, <laughs> I That's the next trip. Anyways, be careful in your RV. Get a class B. It's safest. All right, Laura, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go because I'm winging it here. You're fine. I'm winging it. You're fine. Okay. Well, we're at Logan. All right. Mm-hmm. We're getting on Delta. Mm-hmm. We're riding first class. Mm-hmm. Okay. Buckle up. Per usual. We're on the runway. We're taking off. Mm-hmm. I had statistics of how many people die on planes, mm-hmm. but those statistics are somewhere in the mm-hmm. abyss right now. Yeah. So and people then. die on planes when you're traveling. Okay? Lots of them. Lots of them. You, this dead body's next to you. you and you don't even know it. Exactly. And I had what they do in all the rules, but I don't have that anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to go by memory, and I can't cite my sources because I don't remember where they came from. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. But basically what they say was when somebody dies on board, they do their best to respect the body. Yes. And they will either put them in the galley if they can, and they'll lay them out, and they'll put a blanket over The galley like the kitchen? Yep. Yes, we're okay. I just wanted to make sure I was clear on what yep. the gallery is. The gallery is the same thing on a plane as yep. everywhere else. Yeah, you know, okay. where everybody can see you when they go to the bathroom? Yeah. The galley. Where the food is. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So, and if that doesn't work because the plane's too, you know, um, they'll do that if the plane's full and there's no seats. Right. If there's seats, they kind of prop them against a window, put a blanket on them, oxygen mask, they look like they're sleeping. The <laughs> one place they never put them? Cockpit? The bathroom. Because rigor mortis sets in and then they can't get them out. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to um, go with they learn from experience. Yeah, you'd probably figure right. that out. Quick. So what happens with the medical emergencies on an airline? Please tell me. Okay. At one time before World War II, you had to be a nurse to be a medical. Um, to be an, a flight be, attendant? I don't even know what to call them anymore because no matter what I call them, it's politically. flight attendant. I've called them stewardesses. That's wrong. I've called flight attendants. That's wrong. So I'm going with flight crew. To be a member okay. of the flight crew, okay. okay, you had to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. Then World War II came, and the reason you had to be a nurse is because they crashed all the time, and they wanted somebody on board who knew what they were doing. Because you weren't dead. Because you weren't them. dead. Yeah. Um, doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah. yeah. So after World War II, you did no, you no longer had to be a nurse. A, a nurse, but now you have to be certified in CPR. Makes sense. And you have to have knowledge of medical issues, like okay. if somebody's having diabetic shock, if mm-hmm. somebody's having... A heart attack. You have to kind of know mm-hmm. um, your issues. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to go with first. Should we talk about turbulence? Should we talk about ear sickness? Or should we talk medical emergencies? I'd go. You're already talking about emergencies. So, so go with stick that. with it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on a plane, they carry kits for medical emergencies. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go through what's in your medical emergency. Kit. Okay. Yeah, that that's yeah. one piece of paper I retained from my notes. Okay. <laughs> Epinephrine. Mm-hmm. Epinephrine. Antihistamines. Epinephrine twice. Two different doses. Well, you need it for your allergies and for your heart. <laughs> you have two different doses, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, dextrose, in case you're in diabetic shock. Mm-hmm. Nitro, also known as nitroglycerin tablets or spray. Mm-hmm. Um, major analgesics. Sedative anticonvulsants. Oh. Eey, that's rough. Oh. Uh, it would be helpful if I could actually see it. <laughs> uh Antiemetics for people who are Throwing puking up. their guts mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Bronchial dilator inhaler for if you're going into an asthmatic attack. I appreciate those at, at the end. The antihistamines. Oh my god, well, we get a little atropine. Oh, good. Also, mm-hmm. uh, cortisone. We have steroids. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. we have diuretics in case you're going to CHF. Mm-hmm. 
medications for postpartum bleeding in oh. case we decide to, to go have a on the plane nine months pregnant and we they just delivered a baby recently. right there uh normal saline mm-hmm. a s- aspirin i was going to read the actual formal name it's aspirin mm-hmm. uh and beta blockers mm-hmm. equipment we have a nurse's stethoscope oh a nurse's stethoscope yep. a i got that <gasps> word out how do you like me now also known as a blood pressure, blood pressure. Mm-hmm. uh airways an oral pharyngeal airway okay Self-inflating manual resuscitation device. Pediatric, small, and adult, large masks. Oh, just so, the Ambu bag. Uh, yep, that's okay. what it looks like. CPR masks, mm-hmm. syringes, needles, IV catheters and tubing, antiseptic wipes, gloves, sharps box, and a urinary catheter. Thank God. Which you better hope somebody's on that plane and knows how to put one in. Yeah. Oh, you're screwed. Yeah. So these are all carried on your airlines, okay? So, you have medical emergency. We're going to go over a few... Medical emergencies that happen on planes. Now I'm gonna just the 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 flight crew cannot use all these. They have to have somebody on board. Luckily, usually the call is gonna go out. Is there a doctor on board? Is there a medical personnel on board? Mm -hmm. And they're hoping to God, which usually you're hard pressed to go anywhere there isn't a nurse. Yeah, there's so many nurses out there. You're really hard pressed to be at the park at somewhere where somebody's not gonna say, "I'm a nurse. Let me Mm -hmm. help." And nurses have this dying need to help people. I don't know why we feel that way, but we do. So we have a couple of medical emergencies, but the writing's awful small, so be patient. Okay, I'm getting older. Okay. The passengers from hell. We had just departed from a gate from Los Angeles for New York and had begun the video safety demo, says a a Virgin American flight attendant. Mm -hmm. They're called flight attendants on this piece of paper. I'll stick with flight crew, Okay. As it was playing, I see a woman climb over her seatmate into the aisle and was standing there motionless. This is a no-no while we are moving on the airway. Mm-hmm. On the taxiway, excuse me. Especially during the safety demo. Yeah, taxi, you're going to be sitting there. Yeah, they want trays up. Okay. Flight attendant rushes up the aisle to see what's happening, and the woman pointed to her seatmate, shouting, She's evil! Hello! Over here! She's evil! And she just kept saying this over and over again. I decided to reseat her in a row that was empty, and this seemed to have calmed her down. Well, so we thought. Uh-huh. I made the mistake of trying to touch her to calm her mm-hmm. down. Big mistake. Uh-huh. Just about, uh, just after liftoff, the same woman rings her call light. Very frantically, she tells me, I changed my later flight to this flight, and my brother is picking me up. I need to tell him that I'm coming early. The flight attendant took her brother's contact information and had the captain call the ground to contact wow. him. The flight attendant then noticed her staring out the window, talking to herself. Clearly, mm. this woman is having some major this mental is issues. Me very nervous. Yes, it's making me nervous yeah. as well. Okay, and I know what happens. <laughs> when I say ma'am, sh- well, I'm going to be bullshit if you call me ma'am. Because I feel like miss. I'm 100 years old. I'm a miss. Yes, I'm a miss. Hey. I'm a madam. I'm not a ma'am. I'm a madam. She began screaming at the top of her lungs, You're evil! <laughs> And started beating me with her pillows. How many pillows did you get this woman? I only get one. Okay. Well, she has three seats. Well, apparently she gets her own row. I was stunned and desperately trying to make her stop screaming. And I made the mistake of trying to touch her to get her to calm down. Big mistake. More beatings. (laughs) Finally, a woman flight attendant stepped in, but it didn't make much of a difference. I was about to call the captain to let him know we may have to turn around to LAX when from the rear of the plane comes actress... Mar- Maria Bello, who I don't, from ER. I don't know who that is, but apparently she she was on the show ER. I know, yeah, I know who that is. She begins reciting the Lord's Prayer over and over until the woman calmed down. Wow. 
Um, and it kept the woman calm. She because it briefly does it go right on to another. It goes right on to another story. So she must have stayed calm the whole time. She stayed calm the whole night, thanks to this actress. The Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer kept her calm. There was something I was going to say to you about this, but it's flown right out of my head to the other side. So remember? Do you remember? Did I ever tell you we went to Jen's wedding, my friend Jen's wedding in the Bahamas? Mm-hmm. And on the way home, I was sitting with my friend Kylie on the flight, and the guy in front of us was at was in the emergency row Mm -hmm. and I was at the window seat and he was at the window seat. So he has the emergency exit. He kept hitting the emergency exit handle. I'd lose my shit. He hit it like four times. And I turned to Kylie and I said it very quietly because you know, the guy's head is in front, like in the lap pretty much. I said, I'm telling you, if he hits it one more time, I'm going over the seat because I'm going to jump on top of him. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, I got your back. I'm like, okay. And like, she's like, because I knew she was like, she was seeing, I was, I said, I'm going over the seat. She's like, yep. I don't know if he heard me. I don't know what happened. He never touched it again the whole flight. He hit that like four times. I was panicked. I was like, he's going to open it. He's going to open it. They say. I was having a nervous breakdown. um, So the the flight crew has access to doctors Mm -hmm. verbally. Because to turn a flight around can be over a hundred thousand dollars mm. to redirect them to another airport. Mm. Very so they really they are going to try everything not to redirect this flight because it's so expensive to do it. So they're talking to a doctor on ground who's on twenty four hours a day wow. that the pilot will say, "What do you think?" and they'll say, "You need to turn around or mm-hmm. you can keep going." So I did find a little information that about one in every six hundred flights involves a reported medical emergency, according to the New England Journal of Medicine. One in six hundred. One in six hundred. I mean, there's like. A in a day. Yep. yep. Wow. The University of Pittsburgh Medical Center broke the broke that down into four hundred and forty thousand in flight medical emergencies worldwide every year. Wow. The most common problems include faintness, respiratory symptoms, nausea or vomiting. And flight crew can handle those um with no problem. Mm-hmm. Then there's the more dreadful things. Okay. This was is this the one where the guy there was almost a mid flight collision and mm-hmm. I would have shit myself. Um, in July, I was flying from London to Miami, says American Airlines flight attendant. About 45 minutes before light landing, the in-flight supervisors made an announcement requesting the assistance of medical personnel. A male passenger sitting in the business class cabin was complaining about chest pains and needed some assistance. The situation went from bad to worse. The flight crew began forming CPR. The doctors and nurses came to assist medical equipment. All I could do was try to keep their passengers calm as the medical team did their best. So obviously there was medical. A lot Mm. of these are written by doctors who were on board when Mm -hmm. something happened. Uh, The passenger did not make it. The flight attendant went through the motions on the rest of the flight and came home fine. Then the next day I was emotional mess. So, I mean, there's a lot of, I was flying from New Orleans to Boston with two colleagues, Nelson and Star Page. A husband and wife who were both highly skilled respiratory technicians. Oh, good. I was startled to hear the captain announce, Dr. Van Meter, please come to the front of the plane. Oh, that's his number. Yeah. They were like, uh, doctor, we're keeping his they, name what right here. Like, okay, she's a nurse, she's a doctor. He's yeah, okay. they flag you. As they approach. I didn't know. That's why we're getting flagged. <laughs> he just looks like a douche. He must be a doctor. <laughs> oh, did I say that out no. loud? No. Okay. As I approached, I saw my colleague setting a man down in the aisle. He was ashen gray, not breathing, and had no pulse. Nelson started doing continuous chest compressions. Keep in mind, this was many years before continuous compressions were recommended for cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. I was an EMT in the 90s. They always said, continue, they never said stop. You just kept going until you couldn't go anymore. Yeah. It was also before the uh, AEDs were, which are the automatic um, defibrillators. defibrillators. Mm-hmm. 
After a few minutes, he started mouth to mouth. You would have died because I'm never putting my mouth on somebody I don't know. We don't even tell you to do mouth to mouth. They checked the man's pulse every so often. It was non-existent or very feeble. After 10 to 15 minutes, one of the flight attendants showed Star the medical kit. In it were a syringe and some concentrated epi. Almost immediately after giving the man some epi, we got a powerful pulse with a nice strong bump, bump, bump. Yes. They yes, did Laura. CPR to 10, 10 to 15 minutes, and then the, the flight attendant showed them the mm-hmm. medical... Okay, I just wanted to make this sure about that. This apparently a long time ago. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All this time, the pilot had been bringing the plane down to a low altitude, and this may have helped some. Mm. That's the other thing i got to talk about. Mm. By increasing the oxygen level in the cabin, but it also made us bounce around more. <gasps> the man's pulse faded away, and Nelson continued to do powerful chest compressions, but was getting tired and sweaty. Mm-hmm. You don't want Nelson sweaty. No. I kept doing rescue breathing, and at one point, I looked back down the aisle. Everyone was quiet. And everybody, imagine the whole no, plane watching. watching you. Just heads out in the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Nelson and Star, we, we can't stop now, even if it's rootless. So yeah. we kept at it. Since we still said had some epi left, we gave the man another ejection and again his pulse returned. After 30 minutes of <gasps> this, which is exhausting. If you're doing CPR... If you've ever had to do it, two minutes of it and you're exhausted. Two minutes is a lot. Yes. I mean, you're exhausted before 30 the two minutes, minutes. You're having the whole plane doing CPR because yeah. it's exhausting. And they landed in Boston. The pilot had radio ahead that the emergency help was needed. Paramedics met us, gave the man antiarrhythmics and other medications, strapped him onto a board and carried him off the plane. Everyone started clapping and cheering for us and I felt great. <laughs> I got off with the patient and rode with him in the ambulance. And after making do with almost nothing in the plane, I felt like I was back in the modern world. Mm. Oh, poor you. The man's halt heart faltered again in the ambulance, and we used the AD to shock him back into persistent bounding rhythm. Huh? When we arrived at Massachusetts General Hospital, oh. the emergency staff stabilized the man. This is a long story. Sorry, guys. And after a month later, I got a call from the patient. He was as crisp as a bell, was wow. feeling well, and was most grateful for what Nelson Star and Star and I had done. A few months after that, I went to a meeting in Boston. The patient visited me and invited me to join him for a Red Sox game. Wow. So many things went right that day and helped save a life. They did CVF at the 30, 30 minutes, minutes and the guy's alive. The guy's alive. Fine. Yep. That's crazy. So planes, when they fly, are not pressurized at sea level. They are pressurized at 8,000 feet, which is like where Aspen, Colorado is. Mm-hmm. So anybody who has heart issues, breathing issues, you're already going to be compromised because you're not used to breathing you're at like that at level. at the top of a mountain. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it already sends you, it sends a lot of these people in. I always thought we were pressurized at sea level. They're not. Yeah, I didn't know. So that's one of the things they talked about. So they'll bring it down to bring you down to more normal To bring levels. you more. But even then, it wouldn't matter. It's because still the, too It's high. still pressurized yeah. at 8,000, yeah. um, whatever's, 8,000 feet. So, shut <laughs> So, um... Okay, I'm not going to read another one because I could go on all day. They're basically all the same. People having cardiac arrest on these planes. Is there a doctor on board? I mean, if you listen to our episode, I don't remember when it is, but Mother's, when our, it was Mother's Day. When our girlfriend was, um, she was talking about she was on a plane and there was like, is there any medical personnel on board? And oh, she was that like, one, yeah. and the woman was French Creole and she was dead, clearly dead, and there was nothing. What she was saying is that a lot of these families can't afford to fly the body back. Yes. So they'll take their family member back home to the country they're from that are on the brink of death. So these people are dying on the plane. My cousin is uh, part of the flight crew and she was telling us that she's like, I'm on a plane and this couple gets on for first class. She goes, the wife looks like she's half dead. And (laughs) sitting in first class, she's like, I'm giving drinks, I'm doing this. She goes, and I look over and the woman fucking dies. (gasps) She goes, the woman fucking dies right there and the husband's like 
Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. She's like, and I had to sit with her in first class. I propped her against the window. There's nothing else I could do. No. She's like, what were we going to do? Right. She's like, I was traumatized for weeks. No. I'm like, well, I think that's kind of not as traumatizing as some of the other things that could happen with somebody on a plane with you yes. dying, you know? Yeah. I mean, she just kind of killed over and died. And um, he must, they must have known. He knew he it was, was coming, you know? Them. Like, I just thought it was kind of the funny way she explained it. I was like, oh my God, she's a trip and a half. She's been a flight attendant for years. She's got to be in her 70s now, still going strong. She's still going. Oh, yeah. Mike's aunt was a flight attendant. Her her famous catchphrase is, um, what did she say? Girl, good girls go to heaven, bad girls go everywhere. Oh, <laughs> it's like, like I like that. I'm going to use it. All right. So, do you want to go over to you and then I can go back to sure. air turbulence? You know I'll do the quick cable car accident. Do a ca- oh, cable cars. All right. So this is recent. All right. My whole mm-hmm. thing is planes. So we'll go to yeah. air sickness next. This is just a quick little, because it was in the news. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd talk about it. So I got this from the Boston Herald. Uh-oh. On May 23rd this year, a cable car was taking 15 visitors to a mountaintop view of northern Italy's lakes region. When you say cable car, we're not talking cable cars like San Francisco. We're, no, we're talking, talking like a air. gondola. Like a gondola, yeah. Like I would have a fucking stroke. If yes, you're going to you tell me the story, I'll never ride a gondola no. again. No. Okay. Keep so going they go with up it. this mountain. Like a ski lift. But mm-hmm. the no, I know where you're going so with this. Yep. They go up this mountain. And apparently there's like a amusement park on the mountain. And then they go up to the top and you can see all the lakes in northern Italy. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Everybody goes there. Um. So about a hundred meters from the final pylon, because of course it always happens. Oh, it's always the last trip pylon. Um, the cable broke and sent the car flying until it hit the pylon and crashed to the ground. It then rolled over several times before hitting trees oh. and finally coming to a stop. And everybody died. The car falls fifty feet from the air. I would ha- nope. It nope. hit a thousand things coming down. It had been renovated in 2016 and had just reopened after the COVID restrictions were lifted. So, you know, Italy was like mm-hmm. killed with COVID. They finally reopened. So everybody's out and about and everybody's going on these things. And how did it just fall? reopened? So two children were found alive Oh. and brought to a hospital where one did later die. The lone survivor was a young child who was hospitalized in serious condition with several broken bones. The car, they, there was something with the brakes on the car that they overrode because it kept like faulting to the emergency Because it didn't want anybody to die? So they overrode it somehow. I don't know what they did, but now they couldn't stop it at all. So what it, the cable, I mean, the cable snapped anyway, so it was gone, but they overrode something and it was a whole nope. to do. Nope. I'll never be on one again. Thank but you very much, Laura. little child survived. Probably because he was in the mass of bodies. I'm going to think someone was holding on yeah. to him while yeah, they that's fell what I and he done. was surrounded. I would have yeah. sandwiched him between the two of us. Yeah. Yep. Poor little thing. So that was... So cable cars... Don't go on a cable car. Go up a high in the air. No need. No. There's no need. No. And, you know, 2016 was renovated, but then it kind of sat there for a year... Because of COVID. Oh, wow. That's a terrible story. I know. Well, I Just guess, be careful on your cable cars. <laughs> I guess from that terrible story, we'll go into air turbulence. Okay. And motion sickness. Because right. they kind of go hand in hand. All right. So air turbulence. All right. Bear with me because I had to print all the information mm. on this, this couple of types of air turbulence. I guess we don't need to get into them. I did have them. Um, there's air turbulence caused by, like, on the... There's a reason airplanes 
take off at certain intervals. Because when an airplane takes oh. off, if you ever see like Top Gun, you'll see the swirls mm. behind the plane. Mm. Yes, that's a certain kind of air turbulence. I think it's wind shear, maybe. Sure. I'm going to make it up. Why not? If another plane comes into it. No it, one's fact checking. Well, I mean, really. I mean, if you're fact checking Susan Scrubs, you got a problem. Yeah. Okay, so if another plane comes into that wash, what do they call it? Jet wash plane? Brian was a, my husband was in the Navy. He knows this shit. So if you come into that, it's going to cause the plane to... It's not going to get the lift it needs because it's all... It will drop. Right. It'll drop out of the sky. So you don't want to get into that. No, let's not. Then there is the turbulence that is caused by... So you have air going over the face of the earth. And if it hits a mountain, if it hits high buildings, if it hits anything mm-hmm. and it has to go up and come down, you're, that's going to cause air turbulence. Okay. okay. So if you're going over the Himalayas, which my cousin used to be on a flight... She used to have the air flights to India. Oh. And she said, as soon as you hit the Himalayas, all you could do is grab a barf bag and hold on because that's how bad they are. It's, and she's like, you were never going to avoid it because you have the Himalayas are fucking right. huge. So there's air turbulence caused from when it's very, very hot. It meets cold air and the mm. hot air starts coming down. It causes air turbulence. So if you're flying around storms, you're going to hit air turbulence. Um, Brian and I were flying home from Florida one time and you could see the supercell 42 miles up in the sky mm-hmm. beside the plane and the plane shaking blah, 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 here we go and I'm like and I hate air turbulence I hate flying I hate it I am convinced every time I'm going to die that's it this I is the big like one the Elizabeth time. yes yep yeah. I'm pretty sure we're dying yeah and this pilot he if it came into his head he had verbal diarrhea oh out of his God. mouth all right, so first we're starting with these thunderstorms and, oh, look at that supercell to the left. If we got caught in that, I'm like, shut the fuck up, you idiot. <laughs> then we're coming in to New England, which is in the grips of a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So we were supposed to land in New Jersey, but the snowstorm is too busy. We're going to see if we... This is literally what he's saying on the open. We're going to see if we have enough gas to make it to Boston. <gasps> but we'll, we'll see how it goes. We made it to Boston. Now we're circling. He goes, okay, well, I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to oh do... It on the thing, we're gonna do a touchdown and we'll go up again if we don't. I'm like, so by the grace of holy God, because I probably said 4,000 hour fathers on that plane, we make it safely to Boston. I get to the front of the cabin and I looked at him and I was like, dude, thanks for getting us here safely. Shut up, don't say everything you're thinking. We don't need to hear, we could die. Keep it to yourself. He's like, well, I'm like, I really said to him, like. You need to verbal diarrhea. Don't say anything. Yeah, just stop talking. Okay, so there's that kind of turbulence. Uh-huh. And there's also turbulence as the wind goes over the mountains. On the downside of the mountain, it causes turbulence. And it can cause turbulence for hundreds of miles wow. out. So you could be coming towards the Rockies and you hit and like hit Kansas and yeah. you're going to hit turbulence right. because the airflow coming up. So I, I'm not going to read it all, but that's the types of air turbulence. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mike, for printing it up. Mike and okay. I were in a plane coming home from Florida when we were dating. Right? Yeah. And there was a thunderstorm. I hate flying. I remember getting on the plane. I hadn't been on a plane in a million, like, since I was little. Mm-hmm. And his, I'm going to Florida with him and his parents. Mm-hmm. We were teenagers. And we go to get on the plane and his mother's in front of me. I'm like, where's the rest of the plane? It was like a little jet plane. Like a like, little eight Peter? Eight no, Peter? no, no. But it was like a flight from Boston to Florida. But I was... When I was little, it was first class, mm-hmm. second class coach. Like, this was, everybody's together. And I'm like, where's the rest of the plane? They're like, this is it. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I can get on this plane. She's like, well, I bought the tickets. So you're getting on the plane. Okay, I'm getting on the plane. But I get on the plane. We get down there. Then we're coming home. 
there was a thunder and lightning storm. Like you could see the lightning. Yes. You could feel that the I was. I thought I was. I couldn't. It was awful. Yeah. I think that's the last time I flew till. I don't even know till we took the kids to Florida. Like it was years until I flew after. I hated the feeling. Of I went to see dropping and coming yeah. back and dropping. Oh I went God. to see a friend in North Carolina, and it was on the coast. We had to pick. I, you know it's a problem when you leave the airport and you go to the tarmac. You know it's not going to be a big plane. So I'm walking on the tarmac. Uh, no. and I don't I, think I can get on I'm that. pretty sure it was a 12-seater. Nope. You I know? And this I is the one where like, oh, fatty, you're sitting on that side. Let's yeah. balance Let's out the way. Out. You're yeah. going to hold. Yeah. And through a thunderstorm. Mm. I was having a seizure on this plane. I don't plane. know that I could get on that. I still, I'm pretty sure my fingernails are still on that seat. Mm-hmm. And it was shaking. I was like, nope, nope, I'm driving home. Nope, never again, <laughs> never. I hate it. I hate that feeling of dry. Oh. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Okay. So now I've got some turbulence stories, which will lead into air sickness. Because when you get turbulence, you get sick. everybody gets mm-hmm. sick. So while, while circling Atlanta, because it was covered in severe th- th- thunderstorms, mm-hmm. wrote Tescabomb. We went round and round for over an hour. This was after a four-hour flight from Phoenix. The, um, did I skip a page? <clears throat> you could hear alarms in the cockpits and the engines <gasps> overrunning like they were going to explode, and oh it was terrifying. God. We would suddenly drop every few seconds just straight down, and a <clears throat> startled gasp would echo throughout the passengers, but they still stayed quiet. The pilot would come on and say we were about to touch down and brace for possible impact. Oh, my God. When we landed, I never want to hit those words. <laughs> it felt like we just dropped 30 feet down instead of gliding down to the runway. You could hear the tires screaming on the wet pavement, and finally we came to a complete stop and just sat there for what felt like an eternity. Then we slowly started taxiing around to the terminal. It wasn't clear just how bad it was until the end. The pilots came out and greeted people as they got to the plane, Tuscan Bob continued. A couple of women hugged them. Most men shook their hands. I certainly did. And when I shook their hands, I could see they were soaking wet with sweat. sweat. You don't want to see a pilot like that. I think that's what affected me the most. This wasn't routine for them. And they were probably just as scared as the rest Mm -hmm. of us. Of course they are. I mean, the poor guys. Air traffic out of control. Air traffic controllers have one of the most demanding jobs out there. Their schedules often result in chronic fatigue, which Mm -hmm. means they aren't always completely on their game for directing planes in and out of the sky. Mm -hmm. It's a stressful job, to say the least. A 2011 FAA report found that nearly 2 in 10 controllers had committed significant errors, like bringing planes too close together. More than 6 in 10 controllers said that they had fallen asleep (gasps) or experienced a lapse of attention during their midnight shifts. Could you imagine those sitting in front of a fucking screen? So can we, can we drive to Hawaii? Like, is that I know, honest option? to God. No. Mm. So while air control may be the safest form of travel, sometimes accidents do happen. In 2000, I was sitting in the rear of the aircraft in my jump seat, going in for um, landing at San Francisco Airport, mm-hmm. says another airline, uh, American Airlines flight attendant. About 10 seconds from landing, I looked out the window and saw the tail of a Cafe Pacific... <gasps> Airlines Boeing 747 crossing our path as we were landing. Oh, my God. I remember the pilot pulled up so fast, I thought I was back in my Navy days, the flight attendant continues. The pilot didn't say a word for about a minute, a very long minute. Passengers were screaming, and the only thing that prevented me from screaming (laughs) was I was pinned to the seat with such force it kept me silent. That's how hard this guy pulled up. The pilot finally made an announcement and apologized for the severe maneuver. (laughs) But that he had almost hit the aircraft, which crossed in our landing path without permission. 
Let's just say I hit a series of cocktails when I'd arrive. Yeah. I would be changing my pants. Thank yeah. you very much. And my job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, I was, my God. I was flying from Miami to London, and while serving beverages in economy, we hit a few mild bumps, says one. I love mild bumps. Mm-hmm. Really. Any bump, and I'm like, shit, my mm-hmm. pants. It was nothing to be concerned about. After no bumps for about 30 seconds, all hell broke loose. We hit severe turbulence. My co-worker and I were both tossed upwards, including our <gasps> serving cards. Oh, my God. I shit myself. Those are heavy. Yes. Yes. So the plane goes down. You're going up. Ah, yeah. You know? It's like a bad movie. I landed on both feet, much to my surprise. <laughs> and I pulled. I yelled at passengers to grab my arms. <laughs> I don't need to laugh. Could you imagine? Look at me. I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I'd be, you know what? My my hands are gonna be full of rosary beads. You're fucked. I'm sorry. Um, to keep me grounded, Mother Nature tossed us around for about thirty seconds more before rocking and rolling subsided. I still don't know how I landed on my feet like a gymnast because the situation could have been a really ugly career-ending situation. Well, and the fucking cot. Like, never mind. Grab you. Just that cot's gonna take out about twenty people. It's bad enough when that fucker gets your elbow oh. <laughs> or your foot. Trash. Trash and bigger trash. <laughs> do you want to do another one before I get into air sickness? So I only have trains left. You this train's pretty gory. You want me to just go? Um, with, I just... did like one. I just did one accident. Should I just go with air travel? No, it's fine. Okay. I, I can, I can... All right. And then we'll, we'll move on to air snickers. Yeah. Air snickers. So air, I got the... air sick. Snickers. Yeah, I can't even say it. from Disaster Health 2016. We have such light reading. Yeah. <laughs> Disaster Health. <laughs> this is not funny. No, it's not. No. Um, That's that gallows humor coming out. Yep. Um, okay. The Santiago de Compostela train derailment. <laughs> it happened in Spain. What do you want? All right. So this fucking Spanish train. All right. That's what we're going to go with. Say that again. <laughs> the San- Santiago they let's just go with Santiago Compostela train, train. Yeah. okay <laughs> derailment it occurred on July 24th 2013 it is Spain's deadliest train derailment in its history mm. mm-hmm. and they all travel by train in Europe yeah everybody goes by train because you yeah. can go like you know yeah. oh this weekend let's go to England for the day or let's yeah. go to Italy for the day you know um among the 224 occupants, 80 of them were killed, which is 36%. And all of the remaining 144 occupants were injured. Wow. All of them. No one left without an injury. Um, derailments are usually survivable, but the way this train derailed led to the exceptional death and injury rates. How fast was it going? Mm-hmm. So this crash was completely preventable. They always are. Mm-hmm. So at... 8.41 p.m. on July 24th, 2013. So it happens at night. Mm-hmm. An Alvia hybrid high-speed train is traveling from Madrid. Madrid. <laughs> I, you know how to say that word. Madrid to 
Farrell, Farrell, F-E-R-R-O-L, Spain, a town okay. in Spain. Um, it's traveling at 121 miles per hour. Holy it's one of those like shit. speed, speed train. trains, like from yeah, Boston Stella. to New York. Yeah. Um, the conductor who was on the phone to the railway inspector until the train emerged from its final tunnel. Um, after the tunnel, the train would be heading into this. Okay, so I'm not gonna be able to say this either. Hmm. The arc of the quote unquote a grandera curve. This huge, huge curve. ass curve in the train track. So it comes out of this tunnel and it goes into this huge, huge curve to the left. Um, This is going to be bad. Yeah. But even before that phone call, the conductor failed to heed three separate alerts indicating they were traveling at excessive speed. Was he drunk? No, he was just distracted. Texting. He was on the phone like multiple times. In the final seconds, he tried to apply the brakes. Like he comes out of the tunnel and he's like, shit, I'm on this curve. The entire train... 13 carriages vaulted from the rails <gasps> going 111 miles per oh, hour. Mm-hmm. M-G. Mm-hmm. Multiple cars fell on their right sides because it turns to the left, um, scraping the concrete barrier that was all along the curved track to com- to stop anything from going into the town. So there's this huge concrete wall. Thank God. Except that's what killed all these people. If there was no concrete, it they might have, have tumbled. Just, yeah. But it couldn't tumble because it not at 120 wall. miles an hour. Yeah, several passenger coaches went airborne in the generator car and passenger car caught on fire. Aww. This all happened within eight seconds. <gasps> oh my god! Mm-hmm. Other than operator error, a couple of things led to the high mortality and injury rate. First, there were electronic speed monitoring devices along the railways in Spain. So they have like all these devices that check you along the way and they can automatically slow the train down without the conductor. There is none on that curve. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Um, When that crash happened, I'm sure there was none. Right. But it should be be in the tunnel. Right. Knowing you're coming too fast for that curve. Right. Second, the curve where it happened was extremely sharp and was lined with that concrete retaining wall. The force of the derailment slammed the train into this wall, and the forward momentum caused the cars to skid along the wall and ripped them right open. Oh. Um, third, the way the train was configured led to more injuries. So it had, like, a forward locomotive, like the big engine, yep. right, in the front. And then that's coupled to an electronic generator car. So that has, like, a huge, heavy generator in it. Um, that also had passengers in it with the generator. No, I'm not riding with mm. the generator. Then it had the eight coaches or passenger cars, so they're lighter. Mm-hmm. Then a dining car, which is lighter. And then a rear-facing generator car and which a rear-facing locomotive, which is heavy. Um, so when the front of the train skidded and then stopped, the heavy cars at the end were still in motion, which compressed all the lighter weight passenger yes. cars. It also caused the passenger cars to act as catapults for the cars behind them. So they would go over And they the sent them right airborne. Holy and I, shit. like I said, all of that happened in eight seconds. Like they were fine. Oh, yeah. And then eight seconds later, Bo-bo-bo-bo. they're in the air and everything. Um, so the injuries from this train. So injuries from a train crash, really. During a train crash, there's a loss of livable volume, right? So it kind of like accordions. Yep. The train has accordion. And that's the most dangerous condition of a train car- crash. The telescoping of adjacent cars compresses the space. Head and chest traumas are the most common injuries from things like hitting a seat, a table, something in front of you, you're going to get a head or a chest injury. When cars roll over, 
most serious injuries involve the extremities, like you lose an arm, you lose a leg, um, followed by the head, the trunk, and the spine. Most critical injuries involved the head, then the trunk, and then the spine. You're going to get head injuries mm -hmm. when you're rolling over. <clears throat> um, they get their injuries by colliding with the interior surface, which is not designed for occupant contact. So the ceilings, yeah. the walls, the yeah. overhead compartments, you got, your head is not supposed to be near those. Because this accident happened on um, such a sharp curve, there was a far side rollover. The curve went to the left. The left wheels lost contact. The cars went up onto their right wheels and rolled over the right wheel, the right rail. They went the opposite way. Yeah. So the people sitting on the left side become projectiles. <gasps> they are flying all over the place. Mm -hmm. So after slamming into the wall, the human body continues to spin and tumble. So you you hit something, but right. then you keep moving. Um, it's They said it's like a football. And it will bounce in an unpredictable manner. You know when you throw a football and hit place. something You're and all it over the goes left yeah. and then it goes yeah, yeah, right yeah. and then it goes. And um, you've got hundreds of people doing this. Right. And flailing passengers sustained repeated head and neck injuries. Um, they fell out of the windows. They were spared by protruding objects. Yeah. So you have the train compressing. So like, you know, there, metal there's things. No, are, there's no chance. Oh my, there's I no can't chance. believe anybody lived. I <clears> know. <throat> um, and then also like the luggage from the overhead bins mm -hmm. becomes projectiles mm -hmm. and kills people by hitting them in the head. So, again, 36% um, of the people on that train were killed, and all of the survivors were injured. I can't believe anybody lived on that. I know. I can remember, I think in high school, there was a train going across, um, like, Alabama, like the bayous and stuff, mm. and it went off a bridge, <gasps> and the cars went into the water, and they were fighting the alligators trying to get oh the people God. in the cars. I remember that being one of the worst car train mm. things I had to listen to. It was crazy. Yeah. Okay, well, on a lighter note, we're mm -hmm. going to talk about air sickness. Oh, yeah, that's blah, definitely blah, blah. lighter. Let's end on that. Well, motion sickness, basically everything in the world makes me motion mm -hmm. sickness. And I had causes, and basically I had all of them at the time. <laughs> and it was like genetics. Yeah, my mother gets air sickness, I get sickness. Um, what was it? It was like, every, and I get, I never had it as a kid. I was always a little car sick, but I never had it as a kid. Now, there's a reason I drive everywhere, mm -hmm. because I get violently car sick in anybody's car. Mm -hmm. I have to either be driving or be in the passenger seat. The passenger seat's sketchy. I can still sit in the back and read a book. Nope. Nope. I get violently sick. Mm -hmm. I'm okay in a plane, as long as it's cool in the plane and there's no air turbulence. <laughs> Boats, I take Dramamine before I even get on them. Mm -hmm. um, amusement parks, I take Dramamine before I go to them. Anything that's going to make me shake, I can't do the 4D rides at Universal. I would look in and I'd see a 4D ride and I'd have to, like, that stupid fucking, really? yes, violently ill. The 4D ride at Disney, the new one um, that's in the Pandora world, it's like a four hour wait to get on this thing. Is okay? it that Monsters Inc. one? No, it's, um, no. it's, it's, no, the part, it's, it's Pandora. It's, it's, um, oh. it's like from the movie Avatar. With the blue people, the Avatar movie. I didn't see that. We you were on it. It's like you sit, they strap you into this motorcycle thing. And then the things open up and you're, it's this big screen and it, you're going through the Avatar mm -hmm. world. You wait like yeah. two hours to get on it. Within five minutes, my eyes are shut because I'm going to puke on this ride. Really? Everything is telling me I should be moving and my yeah. body's like, you're not moving. So what they, the other article I had that I don't have with me said that when you're on a plane, part of the problem is your plane, your body thinks it's sitting still, but the little tiny 
things oh. in your ears are like, no, you're not sitting still. You move. And so they are telling you you're moving and your brain's like, no, I'm not. And it's like, no, you are. And then everything conflicts and you puke. Yeah. Okay. So causes of motion sickness. Mm-hmm. Motion is sensed by the brain through different pathways of the nervous system, including the inner ear, the eyes, the tissues of the body and the surface. Here we go. Can I talk about what I just talked about? Okay. When the body is moved intentionally, for example, when walking, the input from all the pathways are coordinated by our brain. The symptoms of motion sickness appear when the central nervous system receives conflicting messages from the sensory system. The inner ear, eyes, skin pressure receptors, and the muscles and the joint sensory receptors. Hmm. Half of it went over. Mm-hmm. Hypothesize. Okay, so they're all saying you're saying still and something else is saying you're in right. it. Because as you can see, the rest of the article is gone. <laughs> all right. Um, but so there's a conflict. There's a conflict, yeah. which is basically what I just told you. Mm. Okay. Symptoms. Include nausea, vomiting, pallor, sweating, drooling, and drowsiness. Other common signs are sweating, general feeling of discomfort, and a not feeling well, which is a general form of malaise. I was going to say, general feeling of discomfort is not feeling well. No. Mild symptoms are headache, mild unease, and yawning. I will, that's the first thing is I start yawning. Really? Yes. And then, oh, here's the rest of the article (laughs) (laughs) on a completely different page. Um, what immediately starts happening, like, I'll feel that wave of sweat mm-hmm. come over. Like, we were, we had gone to P-Town on my brother's boat. Going down, it was fun. I had a great time. And we had lunch. I had a fisherman's platter. Mm-hmm. And then we came home. And now, you know, in the afternoon, the ocean gets choppier. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the three hours on the way home. And I felt the wave of heat come over me. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm staring at the horizon. Always look at the horizon. Staring at the horizon. Mm-hmm. I look at him, and I was like, here it comes. <laughs> this is love, ladies and gentlemen. He's got me by the belt loop so I don't go overboard as I'm throwing my fisherman's platter up over the side of the boat. All the kids are horrified because I'm done. Yeah. And he's, I'm just handing back tissues of vomit, and he's just taking them, throwing them aside. I'm telling you. You want to know what love is? It's not roses. It's fucking it's taking your vomit over the side. All right. So, remedies for... Um, Motion sickness. I'm going to tell you number one, those fucking seasick bands. Yeah. Those things are amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. We went on that cruise to Bermuda. Mm-hmm. I didn't dare take them off. And I was passing them out like candy to yeah. people. And one woman literally came up to me. She's like, I don't know what I would have done without these. Thank you. Because when I got up the next morning, I'm fine. I'm having breakfast. I'm sitting. I mean, I had all my jewelry on over my seasick bands, yeah. which were blue tie dye. Um, the decks were lined with people sick as dogs. When we went on the that same cruise, the first day was fine, and then the next day when we got up, there's seasick bags on every, every fucking railing yeah. on every stairway. I'm like, oh, it's gotta be bad because yeah. they like put on all they were, the like, seasick bags. We came bags. out on deck by the pools. People were just lined up mm. on the beds, miserable, mm-hmm. miserable. And even my cousin, I'm like, try these. I was fine, thank God. Mm-hmm. So. I've had to do this. Look at the horizon. Simply look out of the window of the moving vehicle and gaze towards the horizon in the direction of travel. This helps to reorient the inner sense of balance, providing a visual reaffirmation of motion. Do they say about sitting at the back of the boat because you can smell the gas? They say, actually, if you're on a boat, to sit in the middle Mm -hmm. of the boat and as low to the bottom as you can. Yeah, low. And then I remember having my nephews go to the back because the smell of the gas somehow makes you not sick. Uh, It's weird. It makes me sicker. They told We um, went to Nova Scotia and we, we thought we'd take the ferry and be cool. 
but they don't tell you is when you take the ferry to Nova Scotia, the moment you leave Portland till the moment you land in Nova Scotia, you're in such thick fog, mm -hmm. you can't see shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you are just in a fog. So There's no horizon. To there's see. nothing to look at. So I, But I'm on the fantail of this boat, and I it's freezing. And the boat lands at 8 o'clock at night. I was inside, outside, till almost 8 o'clock at night mm -hmm. because I was going to get sick. And I'm watching these people come out. I'm like, oh, here she goes, Brian. She's going to blow. She's going to blow <laughs> all over the back of the boat. It was disgusting. I took my yep. And they get seasick. So I had like a band on one, a band on I the get other. I get I'm fine. Sam's fine. One of them was fine. But the other two, I had the bands on them. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get outside. We're going to step out. I would take them outside. Some would be running to that rail and to puke. And then I'm like, okay, let's go to the other side. Yep. Some would be running to that. Started, I'm like, let's go to the back. Forget it. Some was running to that. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah. Once you smell it, it's like stand yeah. by me. Everybody's puking. Here it says keep eyes closed and nap. No. I think that's a very bad idea. Yeah. In the night or in a ship without windows, it's helpful to simply close one's eyes or if possible, take a nap. No, I wouldn't suggest that. I think that's a bad idea. Because you get that like weird. I just think feeling. it would be awful. Yeah. Chewing. Simply method for relieving common and mild car sickness is chewing. Mm -hmm. Chewing gum has an uncanny effectiveness for reducing car sickness and those affected. Mm -hmm. A variety of chewing gum is available, but we're not going to talk about that. My Fresh cousin air. Joshua puked every time we were in the county. I'm telling you, I have to drive. My well, first, but we were little. My first night shift, he was driving, and I don't know what happened. I'm like, pull over. Puked my guts up. <laughs> Fresh air. Fresh, cool air can also relieve motion mm -hmm. sickness, which I do believe, which is why I sat outside. Although it is likely that this is related to avoiding foul odors, which can worsen nausea. Yes, mm -hmm. it can. Ginger. Ginger ale, mm -hmm. ginger gum, mm -hmm. ginger anything. Ginger is amazing to settle your stomach. Ginger has been found to reduce motion sickness. It's available in tablet form or fresh stem of ginger can be chewed. I wouldn't do that. It's disgusting. God, that's a lot. There is some debate over whether it is the chewing or the ginger that helps. Ginger produ uh, products from... Uh, we're not gonna, it's like yeah, a, but ginger ale helps. You don't chew it does. ginger ale. No, I'm not going to mm -hmm. chew ginger because it's gross. It's like eating perfume. Oh, God, I can't eat with the sushi? That shit's yeah, going nope, right in the nope, trash. Nope, 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 nope. So acupuncture, which is like those little bands, they're doing something with the acupuncture, and it really does work. Mm-hmm. Prevention, Lara. Okay. Here are some important tips for prevention, Lara. How do we prevent? Always sit in a position so that the eyes can see the same motions that the body and the inner ear feel. Okay. So you want to be on that boat. You don't mm -hmm. want to be on a 4D ride. Because your eyes are telling you what your body's saying. I'm fucking sitting still. In a car, sit in the front seat and look at the same distant scenery. On a boat, go up on deck and watch the motion of the horizon. I've done that. In an airplane, sit by the window and look outside. Also in a plane, choose a seat over the wings where the motion is minimized. Yes. Do not read while traveling if experiencing motion sickness. Mm -hmm. Do not watch or talk to another traveler who is having motion sickness. No, do not watch. You're watching too. somebody else throw up. You are going to throw up. Avoid strong odors and spice your greasy foods immediately before during travel. I find greasy foods help your stomach. It depends. It helps your stomach if I'm hungover, stomach. which I could possibly be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So you want crackers and Seven Up. Mm -hmm. Coke. Ginger ale. Fucking Coke is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Coke from McDonald's. If you can grab oh, that. regular Coke from McDonald's. Any Coke from McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Medications. Scopolamine patches are wonderful. They're available as a patch and it's placed behind the ear six to eight hours before travel. Hmm. Promethazine mm -hmm. should be taken two hours before travel. They last six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. But you can get drowsiness or dry mouth. Cyclazine. It's most effective when taking 30 minutes before travel. Mm -hmm. Not recommended for children. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Dimenhydrinate. Take every four to eight hours. Side effects similar to scopolamine. Okay. 
Dimenahydronate chewing gum. <laughs> Bonan. One hour before travel. Mm -hmm. Recommend not recommended for kids. And that is your problems with um, air sickness. So yes. now we're going to have a few air sickness stories. Oh, God. Okay. Everyone's going to be puking. Air sickness. The domino effect. Oh. While they might seem like a relic from the days of smaller planes, bark bags are not there for decoration, no. Lara. Air sickness can strike when eyes adjust to the stillness around you and your brain is made aware that you are sitting still, but your inner ear, the sensitive little shit, knows that you are actually in motion, mm -hmm. fucker. Mm -hmm. Mine's in overdrive. You already know where this is headed. Mm -hmm. I have been very terrified of vomit, says Delta Airlines flight attendant. I just can't do it. You know what? I'm an ONR, so I still can't do it. Can. When somebody starts hurling, I'm like, all right, see you guys later. Yeah. I was the smell of it, the sound of it, well, the sight of it. Yeah. I told you I had somebody who had been, oh the that sound of the splash. Yeah. It's just oh. somebody had been shot in the stomach and all mm -hmm. the sponges smelled like vomit. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. I was working a red eye from Seattle to Atlanta and we hit some pretty rough air. Although the pilots tried their best to find another route, they just couldn't. The rolling cruise lasted for about an hour. Before I knew it, a lady in the middle seat of the last row up chucked her dinner everywhere. And that's when it all started. Oh, God. It was a domino effect. Oh, the entire, on a plane! Oh. The entire last two rows of passengers were puking and it oh, sounded like Jurassic Park. Oh. Riding the metro in Washington, D.C. can be quite an experience. Packed in armpit to armpit with 200 of your newly found friends. It was a warm autumn day, and everyone was tired after a long day at the office. All of a sudden, the lady behind me, this is, you know it's coming. The lady behind me started coughing. And then I felt the strange, moist warmth on the back of my suit coat. I turned to the lady who tried to apologize, but only more vomit came out. All over my shirt, tie, and face. <laughs> yeah. Did yep. he then vomit on someone? No, all of his face. Yeah. So, um, problems when you when you want to locate your bark bag immediately, it's always a good idea to check the seat back pocket for a sick bag before takeoff. Mm -hmm. You sure you don't want to be hunting for it when you need it? Nope. Um, it's easier for the cleaners to miss replacing those bags that have been taken and used. If you can't um, find a sick bag, ask the flight attendant for another one. If you're going to be sick, head for the restroom. Yes, please. Nobody will blame you if you make a dash for the restroom, even if the fastened seatbelt's on. Flight attendants can't give you permission to leave your seat when the sign is on. And they might even shout at you, but there's nothing compared to throwing up on another passenger. And or in his face. everybody else fucking yep. throwing up on yep. the plane. Oh, God. Let someone know if you have food poisoning and otherwise become very sick. Let a travel mate, seat neighbor, or flight attendant know before you camp out in the lavatory. <laughs> even though the last thing you want is to be checked on in, in such a condition. See no evil, smell no evil. Mm -hmm. The simple sight or smell of vomit can cause a chain reaction. Mm -hmm. In fact, I once witnessed five passengers get sick from oh. watching one truly ill travel vomit over and over. Oh. So when you see someone sick, don't let your morbid curiosity take over. Look away and plug your nose. Mm -hmm. My mother, when we get sick when we were little, we'd be throwing up. And she would come and hold our hair. You know, just us. I can't she, do it. She'd be holding our hair and she'd be literally, I'm not kidding you, this is what would be coming out. It would make you sicker because she'd be going, <laughs> 
Every time we throw her, that's my father. She would be going. I'm like, please leave me alone. I've done it before. My mother would just make me clean it up alone because she couldn't stand it. Oh my god, she would just do that sound over and over. I can't. I can't. I told you when Garrett was like 18 months old, we get on the plane, and we're on the tarmac for 45 minutes, and he proceeded to throw up all over me and shit. Like you know that baby diarrhea out the bottom of the diary, everywhere. The guy next to me was gone. I don't know where he went. Gone. He and my son, Camp Brian and my son, are at the front of the plane. They have the time in their lives. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Garrett must have thrown up. They flew up. the plane. It was great. I must have gone to the bathroom 15 times. By the time we got to Boston, it was 23 degrees, and all I had was a diaper and a sweatshirt for him to get <laughs> shit and puke through everything. It was awful. Cut the line, Laura. If you're waiting in line for the lavatory and about to be sick, go to the front of the line and explain. I'm going to puke on you. Yeah. Nobody will stand in your way, and that passenger you would otherwise have upchucked on will be very appreciative. Mm-hmm. Take care of the disposal. Don't be offended if a flight attendant refuses to throw away your bark bag. Oh. Understand that she's in charge of serving food and drinks, so for health reasons, they can't handle the bag. Just take the sick bag to the lavatory and dispose of it in the waste receptacle. Oh. I was surprised to discover there are many avid sick bag collectors out there. Well, huh? Maybe Nancy Three is one of them. <laughs> the Guinness World Record holder has a collection of 5,180 sick bags from 1,003 different airlines. There is even a virtual air sickness bag museum with an extensive online collection available for viewing. Wow. Yeah. They all look the same, don't they? That waxy paper. With I the just with the little tabs. Tab. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's not a good time. Ear oh, sickness, God. motion sickness. It's just not especially if you can't get away from the motion yes. that's making you sick. Yeah. It's fucking nightmare. That would be awful. So that, that's my that. friends, is the kickoff to the summer series. Do we have any we want to read? I have Yeah, you have one. When we did our um CP, yep. One of my girlfriends wrote to me, which I hadn't heard from a while, and she, I was kind of shocked when she told me this because I didn't expect it. So this was the CPCF episode. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Nurse Nichols and Nurse Sparkles, just wanted to confess that it's been a while since I listened to the podcast, but I listened tonight specifically to your CPCF episode. As always, thank you for educating me. Not sure if you know, but Lola has CP. You would never. No, really? this kid has CP. I was, sh- you would never know. I've never seen anything. Wow. Kid danced with my daughter for years. You'd never know. Yeah. Obviously not to level that Stella has and who really does sound like a badass in her mom as well. But still, thank you for explaining the situation to us non-medical listeners. Keep up the good work, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. And then we had a little review that came in over um, the weekend mm-hmm. and I thought it was adorable. So. We're going to read that, too, because it made me laugh. All right. This is from Jennifer in California. I hope I don't get fired. I keep playing the beginning of the Father's Day episode with my coworkers. Oh, I, God. I almost don't want to relive that one. And half of the time, I'm laughing so hard before you... I still don't know why I said this. Pink and sweet. I'm going to re-listen to That this. they can't even hear the podcast, and I have to play it again. <laughs> Our ER loves your sense of humor. Thank you all for the, thank you for all the laughter you bring us. Anytime, love. Yeah, all our going. stupidity. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. So we're kicking off the summer on this hot, oh, hot, hot summer day. night. Yeah. You get the lime readers like going. I'm going back to the beach tomorrow. And uh we So was, don't travel by plane, train, or automobile. And for the love of Christ, don't get it on a gondola. Gondola. No, just stay gondola. Home. Just stay home. It's yeah. Fine. I mean, the only one I know around here is the one up to Cannon Mountain. 
And that bad boy in the summertime, a lot of smelly people on it. You don't want to be on it. No, not in the summer. No, 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 no. I'll climb. You're enclosed with the sweat. No, it's not pretty. Not pretty at all. Uh, So let's kick it off. we got a lot of good things planned for this world-renowned summer series. (laughs) And we'll see you next week with the 4th of July episode. 4th of July. It's a little early for 4th, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, whatever. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.